Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. It's sad when you get an A paper after reading so many F papers. Like, if you read... 23 F papers, and they're not all Fs. Like, some of them are Ds, and some are C minuses, and some of them are D pluses. Have you ever gotten an F plus? Is there a way to actually get an F plus? Like, I know 50 is an F, so if you get a 59, that's an F plus, right? Not a D minus? Hmm. I'd probably be embarrassed. I don't know yet. Anyhow, um... After reading through all the F's and F minuses and D pluses and, and, and to finally get an A paper and to read it and just luxuriate in it and love every moment of it. It would make me sad if I was that teacher because I would know that the very next thing that was going to happen would be another F paper. And so here we are on the precipice of another F chapter. That sounds sad. I hadn't even read it yet. And yet already my defenses are up. Like all the way up. I could be wrong. I guess. Let's go. Chapter 13. Light that motherfucker up. Monroe Diamond. Monroe sat through the dinner and was reserved as his thoughts worked overtime. He wasn't feeling the direction that the cartel was being taken in. There was no honor amongst thieves. Carter had stolen Mecca's life, and Zaire had stolen Monroe's identity. Here we go. He wasn't feeling either of them too much at the moment. Carter would forever get a pass because he was family. But Zaire? The only reason Monroe even conceded to the notion of forgiveness was because he was outnumbered at a table full of armed individuals. He had no wins in that circumstance. He wanted no part of any empire as long as Zaire was its leader. So he ate and drank, but rarely spoke as he readied his own troops for battle. Again, I don't understand how you wake up hating. I don't know how you come out of a coma and you just like, I'm back. I want everything that I never had before. And I'm going to be mad that I didn't get what I didn't have in the first place. The clock struck midnight. And Lena leaned into him. It's late. The baby's tired, she said. He nodded towards the door. You go ahead and let the driver take you home. I'll be there shortly. 
There's a few things I want to run by Carter, and I don't want you waiting around, Monroe instructed. My driver can drop you off at your house too, Breeze. I figure me, Carter, and Zaire have a lot to discuss. Breeze turned to Zaire for confirmation. He nodded. I guess that is good night then. Lena gathered her son's things as Breeze approached Mia Moore. I want to sit down and talk with you whenever you have time for me, Breeze said. Mia Moore nodded and Breeze gave her hand a gentle squeeze before walking out of the house. Lena followed suit. Mia Moore kissed Carter's cheek and whispered in his ear, I'll start clearing the table. I know we have a lot to talk about. I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the baby. You handle your business and we could talk as soon as everyone leaves. She stood and removed his plate from in front of him. Let's take this to the sitting room, Carter said as he stood and led the way. The three men entered the room and an awkward silence fell amongst them. Now that we've all pulled down our skirts, can we get back to getting this money? Zaire asked. I'm thinking along those same lines, but one thing has to change in order for me to be on board with this, Monroe said. What's that? Carter responded. Zaire is no longer head of my father's empire. Clearly his tides aren't strong enough to hold us down, Monroe said, speaking as if Zaire wasn't even in the room. I realize you don't like me, Monroe, but don't speak about me like I'm a little-ass boy. I see through you, money, Zaire said with a sarcastic chuckle. You're like one of those little rich kids who think they're entitled to everything. You didn't even earn the spot you're begging for. You weren't in the thick of the war. You were off hiding somewhere, healing somewhere while we're here taking this shit to the streets. So miss me with the family speech. You hide behind that diamond name like it's supposed to mean something to me. Miami has belonged to me for the past four years. Now isn't the time for change, money. <laughs> See what they did there? No? Okay. Carter said, There's never a good time for change, Moreau answered, his jaw tight. We're blood. You and I both know that we should keep the power inside the family. It's how Papa would have wanted it. Look at this shit, Carter, Zaire scoffed as he shook his head disgracefully. I can't get money with this nigga. You may let shit slide with him, but I'm not going to wait until the nigga put a bullet in me before I cut him off. Little nigga, I'll cut you off. You married into the power. Breeze is your only connection to this here. You don't get a bid in this circle, Monroe roared. He turned to Carter. Your man either steps out of my father's seat or I'll make him. Ain't no compromising. Monroe, this is the snake shit that's putting holes in our ship. Think about what you're saying. Think about how you're moving. You thought I wouldn't find out that you were the one who froze our connect with buttons? Carter asked. I'm asking you, Monroe, to come on board. We need you. And there's a role to be played by each of us, equally important. As long as he's in, then I'm out, Monroe said truthfully. And you're without a connect. Meanwhile, I'm plugged with Estes. Carter knew that with Monroe's connection to his grandfather, he couldn't be stopped. He was getting the brick straight off the boat for next to nothing. The nigga's a snake, Carter. Fuck him. We don't need him, Zaire spat. Monroe shook his head. He really didn't want to lose another brother. Then why are you trying so hard? 
If you don't want to lose another brother, why are you trying so hard? I understand there's a point in time where you're mad and you'll say whatever it is to flash out. But nigga, you've been mad since you woke up from your coma. Why are you trying so hard? Sometimes I wonder about that shit. Like in a relationship. Like if you just want to make up, then why are you trying so hard to keep the shit going? Why are you trying so hard to be petty and keep the beef fluctuate? Like like just languishing. Why? Let that shit go, fam. You need them as much as they need you. You should have let this nigga go to Rio and it would have been taken care of. He would be a memory right now. Monroe finished. Zaire shifted his stance and frowned. The fuck you say? He approached Monroe. Carter stepped out of the way, knowing that there was no point in standing between the two men. This confrontation had been brewing ever since Monroe's return. Carter leaned against the arm of his leather couch as he wiped his face with his hands, exasperated, as Zaire addressed Monroe. Fuck you say? Zaire asked. Before he knew it, his gun was out and he had Monroe yoked up with a pistol to his head. That's the other thing. Monroe's nickname is not Muscles. Monroe just came out of a five-year coma. I still don't understand how this nigga's moving without a wheelchair. He shouldn't be out and about. If Mia Moore was down for four fucking days and couldn't even crawl her happy ass down to the morgue, how the fuck is this nigga moving after five years? How is that happening? He has no muscles. It's called atrophy. This nigga should be a pin cushion. Y'all should be just, just, ugh. Why the fuck are y'all talking to this little nigga? Like, he should, he should look anemic as fuck right now. And that's just, you know what? I'm going to introduce somebody. This is not a I slept at a holiday, holiday, this nigga got me so mad. This is not an I slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. I'm fucking a goddamn nurse. Nurse. If you've been in a coma for five years, what's prone to happen to your body? Yes, there'll be atrophy. Um, however, while the person is in a coma, they do like have like physical therapy or the nurses will do like passive range of motion exercises to try to help the person's muscles and stuff stay intact. But yes, you are going to have some atrophy and weakness, of course. Is this nigga hopping out of bed and just getting right back to trying to run the cartel? Or how would it would take, even after he came to, it would be some physical therapy, like you said. How long would you guess that the physical therapy would take for a five-year coma victim to be able to do all the shit this nigga's done done? Flown to Rio, gotten on a plane, talked to buttons, flown back, done all this shit, walking. Like, all this stuff that he's expending. I mean, it really depends, but it definitely wouldn't be like he's just hopping out of bed and like getting back out there like the next day or week. No, like he would have to go through, yeah, extensive physical therapy because it's not only for his physical, you know, but just also your neuro, Um, just making sure like all those nerves and everything are working and firing and everything like they're supposed to. Uh, and then, yeah, building up that, you know, strength, uh, making sure he wouldn't get something um, like 
like rhabdomyolysis, which is basically like a degeneration of your muscles. And so anyway, um, I would expect that he would have to go through, I would say at least, I would say about at least about four, at least four good months of like physical therapy. And that's going multiple days a week. Um, so that way he can, they can make sure that his strength is there. But yeah, no, I wouldn't expect him to be running and jumping in, not necessarily like after, you know, five years. Because there is a lot of recovery that has to happen. And part of what he's going through, that mental, you know, recovery, realizing that you've been down for all of these years and life has continued to move without you. So when you wake up, you're thinking, you know, that things are this way and you might not even remember everything from when you were, you know, when you were in the coma. So there's a lot of that too, piecing together, you know, your current reality versus what happened. So there could be some short-term or long-term, you know, memory deficits, but that is all manifesting through his actions, the anger that he's feeling, because he would rightly so feel like he's been left behind and left out. Yeah, you're right. I'm not saying that yeah was not to discredit that. The yeah was to discredit what they wrote in this book, because when he went into the coma, the last thing he knew was Carter and Polo telling him, well, actually telling Mecca because Mecca was mad that money was running the realty company mm-hmm. and Mecca wanted to run the realty company. And they were like, we need a face who has no charges or crimes against him to be the face of this realty company. Mm-hmm. Money was never built to be a part of the streets. He was built to be on the money, the business side of it. So, I don't know. I'm hoping that at some point they tell us why he has it in his head that at some point he was the head of the cartel when he was literally in a different segment. Uh, he was in the bullpen. He wasn't even in the dugout with these fools. Well, again, what does he remember? Well, I mean, it, it's going to go back to how he sees things in his mind. You know, what his memories were of what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, why he was beefing with his brother you know, and and all of that stuff in the first place. And what are people telling him? Because again, if you don't remember something, people can create false memories for you and make you think it's reality because you don't remember. And they be like, oh yeah, this happened, that happened. You remember, right? Or you don't remember, so let me tell you. And he could believe it because he has bits and pieces and they're kind of filling in blanks. Mm-hmm. For him, and then that becomes his whole picture, mm-hmm. even though it's not true, but that's the reality because that's what he's being told. So his grandfather, of course, would want him to be running, you know, everything from that side. Because if it wasn't for him, then no, they wouldn't. He wouldn't be dealing with the cartel, you know, at all. But again. That's another way, I think, of his grandfather 
having control over that particular business. Because at any point, his grandfather could technically come in and take over. What they gonna do? There ain't nothing they could do to stop him and his men from coming in there and just taking it over. And if you have your grandson who's gonna trust you because you've been providing for him all this time, yeah, he's gonna be, you know, your inside man. That's why y'all should fucking nurse. You might as well pull the trigger now. Because either way, I'm going to put you in the grave for the disrespect. Monroe threatened as no fear passed through his eyes. Carter shook his head. It was the first time in his life that he didn't know what to do. Usually he was calculating, ensuring his ability to solve a problem. But in this situation, he came up clueless. He watched his two brothers draw a line in the sand. It was at a point of no return. Guns had been drawn. Threats had been made. Truth had been revealed. Finally, Carter spoke. This is my home, Zaire, he said. Another time and place then, Zaire sneered as he pushed Monroe away and backed down, keeping his gun in his hand, however. Pussy-ass nigga. Monroe chuckled as he adjusted his collar. I tried to give you a chance on the strength of Carter, but you refused to step down. Either you standing with or against me. And anyone standing next to you can get it too, Monroe stated harshly. He looked at Carter. You love my enemy, you become my enemy. So make your choice, brother. It's me or your man. You only got so many times to threaten me. I don't give a fuck who he is. You only got so many times to... Oh, I'm sorry, you were saying something? Oh, you're finished? Well, let me retort. You ain't gonna be threatening me and my folks. Like, nigga, we don't want to... Fuck you. Carter was silent, but it was all the answer that Monroe needed. He wanted no indecisive players on his team. Then watch me burn the cartel to the ground, Monroe said, his voice so full of hatred that it sent chills down Carter's spine. Monroe stormed out of the house and headed towards the cars that were lined up in front of Carter's home. He had already anticipated this feud, and his young wolves were just waiting for the orders. They sat curbside outside of Carter's mansion, guns loaded, eager to follow Monroe's lead. Monroe climbed into the first car and pulled out his phone to place a call. Light that motherfucker up, he ordered. He nodded his head for his goon to drive off and then listened as a car full of goons behind him unloaded their automatic assault rifles on Carter's mansion. By the way, they have no other name for them. They are not henchmen. They are not thugs. They are not workers. They are not drug runners. They are not homies. They are not associates. They are not friends. They are not employees. They are goons. In every segment of this book, goon is the word. Grease is the word, is the word. Kind of like that, but with goons. Because this is back when everybody was like, boom, boom, I'm a goon. Goons. Every time I think of goons, I think of goonies. And the shit just gets thrown out the window. Because can you imagine mouth with an AK-47? Jerk alert indeed. 
Bullets broke through every window as glass shattered everywhere and Carter and Zaire hit the floor. Get down, Zaire yelled as he went to the window to try and bust back. He watched as Monroe's goons got into their cars and pulled off recklessly. He looked back at Carter, bewildered. Mia Moore, he whispered. Mia Moore! Carter stood to his feet and ran towards the dining room. He sighed in relief as he saw her rising from the floor. Are you hit? He asked as he patted her entire body, fearing the worst. I'm okay, she replied. Zaire came into the room. I knew that he didn't mean it. I could see it in his eyes, Mia Moore said. Money doesn't want to forgive, Carter. He wants war. The fuck is he forgiving for? Nigga, your brother shot you first. Like, if we're going to really put a line in the sand, Carter killed Mecca because of two people who are both alive. That's literally... <laughs> that is literally a situation where you can get away with the statement of, my bad. I thought y'all were both dead. So I got revenge and then both y'all got the fuck up. My bad. That's on me. It's on me. Hey, hey, I got you next time, dog. Then that's what that nigga's gonna get, Zaire interrupted. Carter nodded his head, but his heart broke inside. He was caught in the middle of two men he would lay down his life for. He wished they could become one large circle of power, but Monroe couldn't see past his own ego trip. His jealousy had caused him to cross those who loved him. Carter knew what he had to do. Take care of him, but keep Breeze out of it, Carter replied. With pleasure, Zaire replied. You know what would have been easier? For you to see the way that he's talking snakes to you when he's in your house, and it shot him in your house. What would have been easier is for him to come back and say, you know what? I wish you had gone to Rio. So then you could have been the one, bang, right there. You shoot him in his head because it's clear that he's not going to stop talking shit. Shoot the little nigga in his face. At the point where he says he wishes that your man who you're trying to protect is dead, there's no going back from that. Shoot him. Yeah, he's got a car full of people outside. He's got goons outside. Carry his skinny ass body to the door and toss him out on the porch and be like, pick your nigga up. And if any of y'all step too close to the door, I'm going to shoot you too. Shoot him in the face. If you don't want to shoot him in the face, Mia Moore has a very, very, very much experience in chopping off niggas' dicks. Chop, chop. Choppity chop, take the nigga's dick off and then shoot him in the face for good measure just to show how it should have been done with Fabian. Also, I'm still going to say, where the fuck is murder at? Yes, baby. Why can't he even have me and more do it? She's a murder mama. He could have me and more. Oh, because she's pregnant. She's pregnant. They had sex and then like three minutes later, she was like, I'm pregnant. Again, I've been reading a lot of F chapters. Chapter 14. You're a part of our family now, Mia Moore. There are no more secrets. Carter. Mia Moore waited for hours for Carter to come to bed, but he never showed. Minutes turned to hours and her eyes grew heavy. That's redundant. It should have read like this. Mia Moore waited for hours for Carter to come to bed, but he never showed. 
As the hours passed, her eyes grew heavy. But to say she waited for hours and then say minutes turned to hours is just like... Yeah. She thought of going to him, but knew that if he wanted her company, he would have sought it. So she gave him space, giving him time to think as she hugged the pillow to her lonely body. She stared at the red numbers on the clock. Where the fuck is Ileana? Did Zaire kill her? Like he was planning on making her into a pinata. And they all left. So where's the Mexican cartel? They're still in Miami. This is the shit that I think of at fucking 9.50 a.m. She stared at the red numbers on the clock. 3.45 a.m. She wished that he would talk to her so he would confide in her. Carter undoubtedly had a lot on his mind, but so did she. She wanted to comfort him and return have his comfort. She closed her eyes, giving in to the exhaustion as he walked into the room. The silhouette of her body could be seen from the doorway, and her light snores told him that she was asleep. He had brought her into his life thinking that they could settle down, when in actuality things were out of control. He crawled into bed beside her. The weight of him caused the bed to shift slightly, announcing his presence. Mia Moore turned to face him. Hey, stranger, she said. I'm sorry, because I'm reading this next part. I'm looking at this next part with my eyes, and I can't help but to sing it. And when y'all hear these lines, you will understand completely. So I'm going to go ahead and start that whole segment over again. Hey, stranger, she said. So you have him, my baby, he asked. Because that means so much to me. That's what he should have said next. That that There's nothing more precious than to raise a family. If he ever loses you. Come on. Come on now. Some of y'all niggas know where I'm coming from. White people, maybe you too. I don't fucking know. By the way, the movie Karen just came out. So you should donate to my uh, show just out of guilt. I am, she whispered. She touched his face and ran her thumb across his bushy eyebrows, taming them. She wondered what a child between the two of them would look like. Is that a good thing? She asked. That's the best thing, Ma, he replied. You're the only thing in my life that makes sense right now. Does she, though? Does she? Like, are we ever going to find out where the fuck she was for, like, two years? Does she, though? How long have you known? Oh my God. I was just joking when I said this to you, baby, but oh my God. How long have you known? I suspected it in Rio. I was nauseated the morning after our big night. When we came back home, I took a test. Needless to say, it was positive, Mia Moore replied. So, they flew to Rio to meet Buttons. I'm just reminding everybody. The first night that they got there, they took ecstasy with a um, hostess at a bar, went home and had a threesome. The next day, they went to, Carter went to see Buttons and his cab got shot up and he came back to Mia Moore, who for some reason got shot up, got shot at by an unknown assailant. We still don't know how the fuck or why the fuck that happened. And they flew back home to Miami where Carter then immediately had a meeting with everybody to get them on the same page. 
which means maybe like five days have passed and she knows she's pregnant. This is literally some shit out of don't be a menace to South Central while uh, drinking your juice in the hood. I told you we're back to the F's. You'll have the best of everything. Oh, now she gets the best of everything because when she got shot initially in her dream, you took her back to your house. And Breeze, when she was high off uh, heroin, which y'all haven't spoken about since, she got taken back to the house. And when Money got shot, he got taken back to the house. And now y'all talking about you're going to get the best care the doctors can insurance and can give you? The fuck out of my face. You'll have the best of everything. The best doctors. The best insurance. The best care. I'll have Breeze help you with the arrangements, Carter said. I don't know if that's a good idea, Carter, Mia Moore replied hesitantly. After all the admissions of guilt, Mia Moore just knew the Breeze will resent her. You're a part of the family now, Mia Moore. There are no more secrets. It'll take time to heal all of our wounds, but this baby will bond the two of you. I know my sister. She has a very forgiving soul. She'll do all she can to help bring her nephew into the world, Carter promised. Nephew, huh? How do you know it's not a girl? She asked with a smirk. I make boys, ma. Kings, he answered with a charming wink as he rolled on top of her. Nigga, this your first time at bat. How you know what you do? What? I make boys. You know what? Okay, so. When my beloved wife was pregnant with our son, Devin. She kept asking me for name ideas. And I was like, you know what? All I know is I don't want it to be named after me. Because uh, I don't want there to be a time where he's in elementary school and has to be Devin J. Or Derek J. Like I had to be throughout my childhood experience. So she was like, okay, cool. Um, What if we use your middle name? I was like, sure. And we're married, so you have to use my last name. It's a rule. And so she chose the name of somebody who had the same first initial as me, but didn't have the same name as me, which was dope because then we have the same initial. She chose her favorite rapper, Devin. I was like, do what the fuck you want to do. And so at that point in time, I had no inkling of an inkling of an idea of what gender was going to come out of my wife. And even if I thought that one gender was going to come out, there's no saying, I'm not going to get into the whole conversation about multiple genders and being comfortable in your own body and stuff. Y'all need to just check me out on Unburdened. Anyway, she named my son after her rapper, and I'm not going to forget that. He kissed her passionately and slowly made his way down south. He put her to sleep with an earth-shattering orgasm as the sun rose into the sky. South. He made his way down south. Hey, Ma. I'm going to go down south. You know what the best part is a pregnant pussy, though? I'm going to be real with you. For y'all young niggas. Best part of pregnant pussy. No more condoms. Condom free for nine months. Obviously, if you got her pregnant, though, you don't need a condom anymore. You didn't have a condom when it happened. So, 
for me though, he was like, let me do it like this, baby. And let me do you like that, baby. That's Key Sweat. Y'all know nothing about that either. The atmosphere was unusually tense between Zaire and Breeze. He hadn't spoken a word to her since he returned from Carter's. She lay with her back against the headboard as she watched him put on his clothes. Zai, she said, breaking the silence. What happened after I left last night? He didn't look her way as he grabbed his presidential Rolex off the dresser and slid it onto his wrist. I know something happened. What are you keeping from me? She asked. Nothing, B. Nothing happened, Zaya replied. She heard the stress in his tone and knew that he was lying, but she didn't press the issue. When he was ready to talk to her about it, he would. Zaire was her best friend, and there wasn't much that he kept from her that she knew of. I mean, how do you know what he's keeping from you, honestly? If you don't know, then you don't know. You're just assuming. So she knew that once it became needed for her to know, then she would. Until then, she dropped it. She rose from the bed. Her silk Donna Karen pajamas hugged her slim frame. Well, whatever's bothering you, I hope it gets better, she said as she kissed his lips. I'm going to go prepare breakfast, she said as she exited their bedroom. Zaire sighed, his heart heavy as he sat on the edge of the bed. Beefing with Monroe was a lose-lose for him. I mean, honestly, if I'm Carter, though, and I'm not going to send Mia Moore out after money because she's pregnant after a week, I'm going to go myself. Because you just shot at my loved one. You just shot at my wife. You just shot at my baby mama. That's just me though. Beefing with Monroe was a lose-lose for him. If he murdered him, then he would break Breeze's heart. And if he let him live, then Monroe's jealousy would eventually be Zaire's downfall, which is why Carter should kill the nigga. He knew what had to be done. He just hated that it had come to this. There was enough money for everybody to eat, but Monroe wanted fame, or rather, infamy. He wanted to be the boss in an organization where one was not needed. So instead of getting to the money, they were embarking on war. A war between brothers, one that no matter who was left standing, everybody would lose. Bree sat in the middle of the crowded restaurant, waiting patiently for Mia Moore to arrive. I hope she went to her own restaurant. Like, you could eat for free at your own restaurant. Or at least start a tab. Accepting the woman who had torn her family apart was not an easy thing to do. But off the strength of Carter, she was willing to try. The apparent bond that Mia Moore and Carter shared was deep. And Breeze knew that forgiving Mia Moore was the only option as long as she held the key to her brother's heart. She sipped a mimosa as she looked around Breeze's. She had owned the restaurant for years, and it was the only business that she made sure to maintain after her father's demise. He had purchased it for her, and Breeze felt like it was the only piece of him that she had left. It had survived through two wars, and Breeze smiled as she watched the busy patrons fraternizing around her establishment. She smiled slightly as her mind drifted to better days, when adversaries and disloyalty didn't exist in her world. Now, her world was corrupted. She sat towards the door in public places to see who was coming and going. She felt wary at traffic lights when sandwiched between two cars. 
She carried a small handgun in the bottom of her handbag just in case she should need it. Breeze no longer lived under the veil of safety that her kingpin father provided for her. She lived in a constant state of awareness at the fact that she now played her mother's role. She was the kingpin's wife. She wondered if Taryn had ever felt so overwhelmed by her position. Her mother made life look so glamorous and effortless when she was alive. Breeze had no idea how her mother had pulled it off, but she hoped to learn to wear her crown just as gracefully. Mia Moore walked through the door and Breeze's back stiffened. She scanned her enemy from head to toe. What the fuck? Wait, what? Two chapters earlier. Breeze stared Mia Moore in the eyes and wished that they had met under different circumstances. I'm sorry for the things that Mecca did to hurt you. I can still see the loss in your eyes. I know how that feels. We all know how that feels. You're carrying my bloodline inside of you. No one at this table will do harm to you, Mia Moore. It's time to let bygones be bygones, Breeze said. She took her seat at the table and slid her gun to the center of the table out of harm's reach. Yeah, that was like the A chapter that I read. And also in that chapter, Zaire wanted to kill Mia Moore like he didn't know who the fuck Mia Moore was this whole time. And that just, yeah. So now we're just retconning within like two chapters, huh? Now all of a sudden she's looking at her enemy. Hmm. Okay. She's, her back is stiffening when she sees her now. She's got beef. Even though she said it was all gravity. What I'm learning is that when people write books, that's the way that some people are inside. And so I wonder how many of y'all are carrying hate when you're preaching peace. I'm let that marinate for a second. She scanned her enemy from head to toe. Breeze quickly saw Carter's money dripping off Mia Moore. Not many women could rival Breeze's fashion sense, but Mia Moore proved to be a contender with the most expensive pair of Jimmy Choo heels from the upcoming fall collection gracing her feet. The Chanel bandage dress she wore showed every curve of her body, and Breeze gave the nod of approval in her head. Mia Moore was wearing Carter's money well, that was for sure. She watched Mia Moore scan the crowd and take a deep breath as she finally spotted her. She tried to approach but was halted by two large bodyguards who sat discreetly at the tail beside Breeze's. She was taking no chances. Breeze had done her research on Carter's new girlfriend, and after having experienced so much destruction at her hands, she decided to move accordingly. Breeze sat as her bodyguard intercepted Mia Moore. Check her, Breeze said. The bodyguards patted Mia Moore down and took a long look inside her bag before allowing her access to Breeze. Have a seat, Breeze said as she motioned for the chair across from her. Mia Moore rolled her eyes at Breeze's security measures, then took her place at the table. I have to admit that I was surprised when I got your phone call, Mia Moore said. Why? Why? Carter literally said, I'm going to talk with Breeze to get it set up so she can help you out with our nephew, with her nephew's care. That just happened a chapter ago. Did y'all stop writing for a while and then come back to the book and forget what you wrote because you didn't have the time to go up a few chapters and see what you were written before? Is that what keeps happening? 
You're pregnant with my brother's child. I love Carter and I don't want to lose him. So we may as well get better acquainted, Breeze answered. Her tone was chillier than Mia Moore anticipated or appreciated. Usually Mia Moore took attitude from no one, but she knew that Breeze had earned the right to be displeased with her. She gave her a pass knowing that it was in her best interest to repair her relationship with the youngest member of the Diamond Clan. Mia Moore could teach Breeze a thing or two. If Mia Moore wanted to touch Breeze, the big bodyguards could have done nothing to stop her. Her girls would have had the scope on him before he could even check her Birkin. Mia Moore motioned for one of the bodyguards to approach her. He leaned down towards her. You need to patrol the perimeter of the restaurant. Secure the inside before Breeze arrives and then put one at both entrances. If someone wants to get at her, by the time they get this close, it's too late. They shouldn't even make it through the door, Mia Moore schooled. The men looked towards Breeze for confirmation, like the fuck she knows. She's the one who told y'all sit right next to me at the table. Y'all want some chicken fingers? Huh? I own this place. I can get you chicken fingers. Y'all want some chicken fingers? You want barbecue sauce or honey mustard? Because real niggas don't eat ranch. The men looked towards Breeze for confirmation. She peered curiously at Mia Moore and then nodded her approval. Tips you picked up in your line of work? Breeze commented snidely. Mia Moore sighed and folded her hands across the table as she looked Breeze square in the eye. I'm not in that life anymore, Breeze. I know you have a lot to hate me for, but I truly hope that we could be civil. I'm not perfect and I have a lot of skeletons in my closet. What I've done to you isn't half of the bad things that I've done, but targeting you and your family is my biggest regret. I love Carter, Breeze, and he loves you. I want us to get to a point where we can call ourselves acquaintances, Mia Moore said, hoping to establish an understanding with Breeze. She would love for things to be all rainbows and flowers with Breeze, but she wasn't naive. Breeze would need time to get over all of Mia Moore's past transgressions. Again, Mia Moore didn't know that that glass was poisoned when she killed her mom. She just assumed the glass was poisoned when she killed her mom. So technically, the person who put the poison in the glass killed your mom. Which means Mecca killed your mom. Which Mia Moore stated. But y'all don't give a fuck. Breeze was silent for a moment as she tapped the bottom of her champagne flute with her blue manicured nail. Mia Moore couldn't read her and she smiled at the fact that Breeze Diamond had grown up. She wasn't as green as she had been upon the very first meeting. Life had caused her to transform from a girl into a beautiful young woman with limitless power in her hands. Have you chosen a doctor yet? Breeze asked out of the blue. Mia Moore shook her head. Carter suggested that I ask you to help with that, Mia Moore said. You'll meet with our family doctor. I'll make the arrangements for you, Breeze offered. I can't help but be excited about your pregnancy. This family needs some new blood in it. You mean like Monroe Jr.? The nigga's right there. He's there. Maybe a child can restore the purity in our lives. You mean another child? Because again, Monroe Jr. is still being carried. He's an infant. He's there. He's a toddler. 
Breeze beckoned for the waitress and then said, And just so you know, I forgive you. We don't have to discuss anything that happened in the past ever again. As long as you make Carter happy, then I'm happy. Treat him well. Then why the fuck did she call her... I don't call somebody my enemy and then a few seconds later be like, I've forgiven you. Unless I'm setting you up. And I'll set you up if you're my enemy. All y'all dumb motherfuckers who keep talking about I wouldn't wish this upon my enemy, y'all ain't got an enemy. Because there's a gang of shit. I have a list. I have a honest to God Google Docs list of things that I would do to my worst enemy. Not to all them motherfuckers, but all of them are probably tied from a worst enemy so they can all get it. Me and Moore nodded. She was grateful for Breed's kind heart. There was no way that me and Moore could have done the same if the shoe was on the other foot. I will. And thank you. It's nothing, Breeze responded. A huge smile spread across her lips. Now let's talk baby names. Chapter 15. It was like Mecca's ghost flew into that nigga. Fly boogie. Also, whatever happened with money running up into that business and being like, yo, where's my money at? Where's my five million at? Until you give me my money back, I own half this company. We're never going to talk about that again either. Are we just waiting for that investment plan to go through? Is that what's happening? We're not even going to get an update? Okay, cool. Monroe took to the streets the way a duck took to water, and he made no apologies for his brute way of ruling. He had already set up shop in all of the cartel's most profitable territories, but instead of sharing blocks, he was taking them over. Monroe pulled up to Zaire's most profitable trap and exited the car with his goon squad in tow. Fly Boogie stood up and saluted Monroe. What's good, boy? He greeted. Monroe was stone-faced as he removed his gun from his waistline and popped Fly Boogie without remorse. The young kid folded like a lawn chair as the hot lead fire from Monroe's gun filled his belly. Monroe was on some terminating shit. Anybody who rocked with Zaire was a threat and on his list to be laid down. He ascended the steps and knocked on the door in a rhythm that allowed him entry. His goon stood on the side of the door out of the view of anyone who looked out of the peephole. When they saw that it was Monroe, he was given access and welcomed inside. But when they saw the niggas with burners who came in after him, they quickly regretted the decision. Man, that's not fair. Nigga, you know the code to get inside of all they trap houses. You know the secret knock. You using cheat codes. Nigga, take it to the streets. You walking up on people who think they like you and shit and just shooting them in the stomach. Nigga, use a poodle. You should still be in a wheelchair. How you going upstairs? Gunfire erupted, and a complete massacre occurred as Monroe stood and watched his team put in work. They were so thorough that they only delivered headshots. Mm. No vest in the world could protect against a hollow tip to the dome. And that's what he trained his mob to deliver. All five men in the trap were executed, and the cook-up queens were tied up ass-naked. Monroe smoked a cigar, enjoying the feel of the smoke in his lungs as he paced up and down the line of women. They squirmed and cried as they tried to free themselves from their constraints. As he paced, he poured gasoline from the can in his hand. The stench of the liquid filled the room as he doused the women. This is the price you pay when you work for Zaire, Monroe stated. 
He handed the gas can off to one of his goons and then pulled the cigar from his mouth. He looked at it as he blew a cloud of smoke from his mouth, and then he flicked a cigar onto the line of women. Flames instantly erupted, and howls of immeasurable pain sounded out in the apartment. Completely unnecessary. Those women did nothing. But once again, while the men get quick headshots that take them out immediately, the women get tortured and burnt to death. Jaquavis, is this you? Let's go, Monroe ordered. He noticed that his squad had bagged up the money and the product they had found in the spot. Monroe stopped him. It's not about the money. Leave that shit here. He took one last look at the destruction he had caused before he walked out, leaving a pile of ash where Zaire's number one money spot used to be. Yo man money is on some other shit, Fly Boogie stated as he lay in the hospital bed with a colonoscopy bag attached to his stomach. The nigga might as well kill me, bro. I can't get no pussy carrying around this fucking shit bag. Zaire smirked at the young kid's sense of humor at a crucial time like this. The nigga burnt the shit to the ground like it was nothing. Had hoes screaming for their lives, you feel me? I could still smell the bodies, fam. On some real shit? It was like Mecca's ghost flew into that nigga. The streets ain't seen a massacre like that since Mecca. Wait, really though? Because the Mexican cartel came through and murdered an entire neighborhood. And then waited for Zaire and Carter to pull up and then lit them up too. But you know, we're not writing about them anymore, so we don't remember that shit. Zaire saw red as he... And why did he shoot Fly Boogie in the stomach? If he's doing dome shots on every nigga in there, why does Fly Boogie get in the stomach? So he can tell the tale? Was that what Money's plan was? I don't think so. Y'all just, man. Zaire saw Red as he listened to Fly Boogie tell his version of what had gone down. Monroe had taken their beef public by personally attacking the cartel. Usually the one to strike first, Zaire kicked himself for hesitating. He had wanted to handle Monroe accordingly. Seeing as how his demise would crush Breeze, but Money wasn't holding any punches. He was forcing Zaire's hand, and now they were on some gangster shit. You were on some gangster shit when you had him yoked up with a gun to his forehead, my nigga. You ready to put in some work? I need you on the team so I can see firsthand some of the stories I've been hearing about you, Zaire said. Your murder game proper? No doubt, big homie. My shit's official. Only reason these niggas caught me slipping is because I thought my man was family. Won't happen again, I'll tell you that. Fly Boogie stated with Venom lacing his tone. All right. Rest up. You're going to need it. And hold on to that for me, Zaire said as he slyly passed Fly Boogie a burner. Good looking, bro. I felt naked than a motherfucker without any joint, Fly Boogie replied. Holla at me, though. Whatever you need done, I got it. I'm about that work. Zaire nodded and then made his exit. The two, wait for it, goons he had posted outside the door followed him out as he had to see Carter. All the while, murder plots played in his head. You know what was the best murder plot? One nigga against three niggas. They all got guns on the table. He ain't got his. His is in the car. He's like that nigga who goes to the club and the rest of the niggas wait outside. So he has to leave his weapon in the car because he goes into the club. And when he comes out the club, there's three niggas waiting with guns. 
That could have been Monroe, but y'all playing. And yes, I am now thinking about Ray Shrem. So, yeah. Like I said, A, back down, F, 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 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for this episode or for the show as a whole. Um, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a review on uh, Good Pods, the app. Um, and I, I still haven't seen anybody. I, I don't know how the fuck you do it on Stitcher. Um... You can donate to the show on patreon.com slash single simulcast. You can also um, donate at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. And if you're on Good Pods, you can donate there by going to our tip jar. All money goes towards buying books and movies because I do another show called Hindsight. Um, let me see. Oh, check out our merchandise. It's at Public. Just go ahead and type in Single Simulcast. I'll probably change the name over to Ratchet Book Club, but right now it's Single Simulcast. Um, got the Fuck This Book uh, shirt, which you're going to need if you keep reading this motherfucker. Um, got the logo shirts. Got some other shit popping off, too. It's all good. Check us out. Thank you all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And when I say us, I mean me and my beloved wife, Nisha. She's the co-host. She's actually the host. She runs this shit. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. We gonna holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>